Welcome to the Vacate Victimville podcast, where we champion mental wellness and a growth mindset. I'm your host, Vernice Cooper, and I have one question. Are you ready to grow? Welcome back to the Vacate Victimville podcast, where we champion mental wellness and a hopeful mindset. Today, I have a very special guest, a very very special guest. I say that all the time. I know listeners, but today I have a heavyweight in the motivational speaking realm, in the youth speaking realm. Um, this is my brother, Brad Butler II. Let me introduce, let me do his introduction, y'all. And then um, you guys will see why I'm calling him a heavyweight. Brad Butler II is a husband, father, multi-award winning international youth and school motivational speaker an author, youth advocate, and a speaker coach. But before all of that, he struggled with poverty, family addiction, low self-esteem, and school. After moving from Jersey City, New Jersey, to the suburbs of East Windsor, New Jersey, Brad spent 10 years in special education classes. During that time, he was told that he could not go to college. He now holds a master's degree in counseling and has a full-time business as a motivational speaker traveling the country, spreading his signature message, hope is my superpower, empowering everyone he meets with a message of hope and living by his motto, make your next day your best day. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, what's up, sis? Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, um, I'm so excited to have you. Um, I can't wait to lead people at the end of the segment to all of the things that you're doing um, on any social media, on social, any social media platform to kind of see the impact and the imprint that you're making in the world. But first, if you can tell us where you're from, where you currently reside and where you're headed. Uh, Matt, I'm from, uh, from Jersey city, Jersey city, New Jersey. Uh, so, so if you're like, Oh, Jersey city, New Jersey, all right, we're at, all right, bro. I'll break it down for you. Martin Luther King drive and Warner, the corner on top of the bodega, right across the street from the uh, PS 34. I still know the school song 34 school, 34 school <laughs> is the best school in the town. All the principals and the teachers are the best. They can be found. You only know that song if you went there. All right. So don't play with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, because I get it. I know I, I moved when I was around like eight years old. So you'd be like, oh, you wasn't really under dad. Don't do that. Don't do that. So uh, I currently live in uh, Franklin Park, New Jersey, with my wife and my son, Busy B. Uh, my wife, Suge. And uh, man, we're we're happily married, and uh, we're doing our thing out here. And uh, we actually are looking to relocate. So if you uh, happen to know anybody who's out in the North Carolina Raleigh area, yeah, let us know. Shoot me a message, man. We're looking to relocate. Get my uh, my wife and my my family out there. North and, Carolina. Uh, yeah. Okay. I actually do know some folks in North Carolina. Raleigh. Yeah. Mm, okay, nice. Um, I love, I don't even know where to start with you because you got a lot going on. And I and I honestly feel like, Brad, that you are purpose for so much more. I really think like this is just the beginning for you. Um, but I love that you said your superpower is hope. Um but thinking about your childhood, what are some of the things that help make you resilient and give you a sense of hope, right? I, I, I connect with you on the sense of poverty. I have 
a similar experience with family addiction. So how did you get that hope mindset? Uh, I think it's my, my upbringing. Um, a lot of it, like spending time in Jersey City, um, you, it's a certain level of resiliency that you develop. Um, you know, kind of like that fight or flight mentality at times where, and, and I've just kind of always chose fight. Uh, like there's been situations in my life where I was like, mm, this is, this is probably one of those times where I need to take flight. This ain't the time to fight. <laughs> I need to leave this one alone. But the majority of the situations in my life, it's always been a fight. Mm -hmm. I've always been okay with a fight, whether it was, you know, a physical altercation where I was, when I was younger and I was dealing with you know, anger issues and stuff like that. I was like, whatever, if we got to go, if we had to go there, let's do it. And I was never that person that was like, oh, you know, some kids were like, well, uh, I'll meet you after school. No, no, I'm going to punch you in your face right here in this hallway <laughs> because we're, we're going to handle this right now because I'm, I'll bring the fight to you. And then as I've gotten older and matured and realized, you know, okay, obviously violence is not the way to handle, you know, your situations. It just doesn't work out for you know, both sides. Um, I realized that the fights still don't stop. They just come in different forms. Mm -hmm. So, okay, now I'm fighting in the classroom as far as for my education. I'm fighting, you know, at the colleges, you know, with the professors to make sure that I get the grade that I deserve and I'm able to get out of here with my degree. I'm fighting in the workplace to make sure that I'm paid the way I'm supposed to be paid and you're not taking advantage of me and you're not using me. I'm fighting in my marriage to make sure that I hold it together. I'm fighting with my my son to make sure I'm a, the best father I can be. You know what I'm saying? Like all aspects of my life, it's a fight. And I'm willing to go the whole 12 rounds with you. You know, you know I'm willing to go all the way down to the decision or I'm trying to KO you, whatever the case may be, but it's going to be a fight and I'm, and I'm cool with it. Uh, so that's a, where the resiliency comes like with my family. And um, if I could summarize like the resiliency, you know, with some of you, you may know my story, maybe you don't, but um, my parents were, you know, drug dealers in Jersey City for a long period of time. They got out of that game and then unfortunately they became heroin addicts and they were heroin addicts for years and they were able to actually beat that addiction. And, you know, over the course of my life of learning these things and with me struggling, you know, within the school system and just different aspects of my life, I, I really believe that if my mother and my father were able to beat a heroin addiction, man, I could beat the school system. I can be mm. poverty. I can be, you know, the, the, whatever else is going on in my career path relationship. I can beat that thing because my, my parents overcame something that was trying to legitimately take their life. Yeah. And if you could fight back and beat that thing and come out on the other side and then live a full life, because my parents are still here with us today, living a full life, doing very well. I'm just like, wow, yo, like if you just keep fighting, you can get to the other side of this thing. So I've always, always viewed everything in my life in that manner. It's like, okay, this looks really, really bad. Like when you talk about like your heavyweights and stuff like that, I'm like, all right, I'm a featherweight and I'm fighting against a heavyweight, but I'm like, if I keep fighting, like I'm, I can pull this off. I can find a way to get through this. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm glad I started off with you being a heavyweight. I had no idea you were going to talk about that. You're a fighter. <laughs> and I all used to fight. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, I, I used to, to box in high school. And so when you talk about fighting, um, I didn't even realize the symbolism between me being, you know, in the ring and then me fighting, right? The things that were going on at home and at school and in my community, right? I'm glad you talked about, you know, just, and congratulations to your parents. I work in, in addiction medicine and recovery services. Opiate addictions are very hard to beat. Mm -hmm. 
right? The, the stats are very low. So I'm glad you had that example for you um, and just with your parents. Um, but you also mentioned, you know, school, the fight in the school. And that's the place where you decided to show back up for other people. So yeah. how has that transition been going from you said you were in special education classes, people telling you you can't do it, and now you're coming back? And what's your message for those youth that you're going back to talk to? Yeah, the reason why I go back and I talk to the students in schools, uh, especially about how I was able to overcome you know, my hardships in the educational field is because that was probably one of the darkest moments of my life. Like being, it's it's one thing where okay, maybe you didn't get the job, right? Or maybe homegirl not feeling you. So you know, it, it, okay, you didn't make the varsity team. But when you are in a situation where you're in the educational system, and that's supposed to be your safe haven, that's supposed to be the place where if you don't know the answer, you can ask and not be you know made fun of or, or feel a certain type of way about yourself or the way that you learn. For 10 years, I felt like I didn't have that. Mm. For 10 years, the majority of the education uh, educators that I dealt with basically made me feel like something was wrong with me, right? Because I didn't learn the way that the students in the AP classes or the standard class, standardized classes worked or learned. And, and then what I realized later on down the line as I got older, is like, oh, Brad, okay, yes, you learn differently, but you're still more than capable of doing the work just like anybody else. Yeah. So when I'm going to the schools, I'm instilling hope in the students because I didn't have a whole bunch of teachers who believed in me. I had two. And I always mention them in my presentations, Laura and Gleesa, Felicia Alexander, two Caucasian teachers who just said, yo, this kid is fighting. Nobody else is noticing this. This kid keeps showing up every day. He keeps asking for the work. He keeps asking for more opportunities to prove. It's like, is this kid trying to prove to us that he doesn't belong in here? Yes. Finally, somebody realizes that. Wow. And this didn't come about to probably what, like my junior year in wow. high school. So it's like, I fought that fight and graduated from high school in special ed classes and then went on to, you know, gain my degrees and everything like that. So I'm going back to the schools, letting these kids know, hey, before it even this thing even gets out of hand for you and you start going down that dark road and you start feeling like you're in quicksand, you can't dig yourself out of this thing. Stop. Like, just understand that there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I know that, like a lot of times people say there's light at the end of the tunnel or, or listen, I don't want you to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I want you to be the light at the end of the tunnel. Be the light. Yes. You got to be the light for somebody else. So that means you have to continue to do the work. You have to speak like you got to speak life into yourself on a daily basis. Before there was any other cheerleaders, before there was any awards that Brad was winning, I was the one waking myself up in the morning saying, OK, Brad, you got to. Okay, it's, it's another day. You got to do this. You got to get through this. Like you got to, you got to prove them wrong today. You got, you got to prove them, prove them wrong. And let them know that hey, you put they put you in these these classes for the wrong reasons. Like you, you're just as capable as anybody else. Or a teacher may say, okay, or a professor, you get a, a grade, and okay, that's not the grade that you wanted to get. Okay, Brad, take this information. You go back and you go to the tutor and you stay up later and you do whatever it is that you have to do for you to come back and show these people. Listen, you ain't nothing to be played with. Yeah, that's the, good. The, the ultimate result is get the degree, just finish it. So yeah, that, that was the, the thought process and the, the mindset that I had with, you know, kind of pushing myself through it and forcing myself through it. And, um, you know, it, it works. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to those two teachers because I do know I have some educators. I listen to the podcast mm -hmm. and listen, if, 
you need to come to California and talk to some of these California students. So I'd like to. I, yeah, I want to ask this question. What do you think those educators saw in you? And was it something that you didn't already see in yourself? Or what were those things you think that they saw in you? I always felt like I was capable of doing more. Like I would look around and like, okay, I'm looking around and looking at some of the uh, other students who are you know, in the classes with me. And I'm like, okay, I might have some learning struggles, but it's not that severe. Like there's other students who legitimately, they need the help and guidance. They're taking, some of them are taking medication. Some of it like they had traumatic experience that have just left them in a state of shock and they can't kind of snap out of it. It's like, that wasn't me. I was in there. I was just like, what do I need to do to get out of here? Like, what do, like, I'm trying to figure this out and nobody will give me answers. Like, can I do extra work? Is there another test I can take? Like, what, what do you want me to do to prove? Like, and then after a while, you start giving up. Mm. You start, you just like, you should start going through the motions of things. Just like, okay, I've lost the fight. I don't have a fight in me anymore. Mm. I'll show up every day. I'll do the, I'll do the work. You know what I mean? I'll do what you ask me to do. That's fine. But I don't have the fight to keep going back and forth with you because I'm trying to prove something and you won't let me. But what I think happened was the teachers, those two teachers, maybe they saw themselves in me. Mm. Maybe they remembered some time when they were in school and, you know, it might not have been the same situation, but it was like, man, I remember when the teacher didn't believe that I could do math properly or I couldn't do this or they didn't believe that I'd be able to be a teacher or whatever. I'm going to help this kid because I see that that little piece of that in him that I dealt with. So if I help him now, who's to say what could happen for him in the future? Mind you, those two teachers never in their wildest dreams thought that I would be where I am today. They didn't know that that little piece of hope that they gave me, mm. it set off an, like that little match that they, 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 yeah. they set a flame to, I turned into an inferno. Wow. Like, like you know how the saying goes, they said, man, you give him a little, uh, give him a piece of rope. What do you want to do? Be a cowboy. Yup, that was me. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I did like you what a little bit of hope. That's it. It's over. And that's where hope is my superpower came from. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love it because what what really is inspirational to me about that story, Brad, is that in order to help motivate or inspire people sometimes, you don't have to do a lot. Mm. Right? They picked up the gloves. You know, in the middle of the fight, when you might have felt like, okay, I can give up, right? They filled a small gap. I think people think, oh, they don't want to be a mentor or they don't want to overstep a bound as teachers, as providers. Um, they don't want to overstep a bound to really help someone catapult to the next level. Also, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, wow, how many people are planting seeds that they'll never see the the end result. They'll never see the growth. I mean, I don't even know if those teachers are around. Um, thankfully, but you're, you're also a seed planter. <laughs> well, thankfully, you know, they still are around and yes. you know, I'm friends with them on Facebook and stuff like that. And, you know, they have my phone number. I have theirs. So if they ever want to, you know, contact me, check in stuff like that. We can do that all the time. It's not a problem. Um, randomly, they'll repost one of my videos or my quotes or comments or something like that. And I, I mean, I love it. And like I said, I'm going to keep their name alive because they are a part of what created this. 
You know, obviously my mother and my father were a huge part of me being me. My wife is a huge part of me being me, right? You know, the God that I serve is a huge part of me being me, right? But there was that portion, you know, that they, that they, they did their part that allowed it all to come together like Voltron, you know, <laughs> and for me to be the man that I am today, you know, you know, when I think about it that way, it's like everyone had a role. Everyone yeah. played a role uh, in my life for me to be who I am. So I'm not, you know, people say they self-made. I absolutely am not. I'm yeah. not self-made. I needed help. I needed a village. I needed the other people because some people will say, okay, yo, Brad, you got a gift, man. Like, you know, some people, they know or they don't know how fast I'm able to put a keynote together. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't take me long. Like my creativity just goes, I just need a theme. Once I have the theme, my mind takes over. Boom. I got you. I get like five minutes. I got a 60 minute keynote for you and we're good to go. And they're like, man, you so gifted and stuff like that. I'm like, but I didn't feel very gifted when I was in those special ed classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful that you always go back to where you were mm-hmm. so that people understand have a little bit more respect for where you are and where you're headed because i still believe like this is really where i'm headed this is the beginning for you be rad okay. come on this is this is really the beginning um and i don't even know what that that is going to look like how has um fatherhood you have a new beautiful baby boy how has fatherhood um impacted your goals for your business wow. for your for your family? Man, um, I had someone recently tell me, they said, Brad, you were already a good speaker. Like we could tell that you've been trained by some of the best in the industry. He said, but fatherhood, it made you tap into something that it was almost like you couldn't get it without becoming a father. Mm. And it, it could, I mean, cause you know, for, for those who don't know, I'm spiritually grounded. So everything that I do is built from the foundation of my faith. And when it talks about, um, you know, being a, being a good steward over what you have, like, I believe that I was supposed to be a good steward over my marriage before he would bless me with a child. And with me being a good steward over my son, he would then bless me, you know, in abundance where, you know, uh, financially there'll be an overflow. And that's the type of thing that has happened over time. It wasn't so much that, my my gift was just this great and phenomenal gift. No, he started opening doors mm-hmm. for me that I didn't even know that I would be able to step into. And my name started being mentioned in rooms that I'd never even been in. So mm-hmm. it was just a, a, a level that was unlocked for me because I became a good steward over the small things that I have in my life. I stopped complaining about things that other people would complain about. Like, I don't complain about my wife. You know, mm-hmm. if she does something wrong or whatever the case may be or incorrectly, I'm not going to complain about it. She had... She got a guy that she serves too. They, them two can talk about it. I'm not about to do that. So, you know what I mean? Handle your daughter. You know what I'm saying? Listen, so, come get your daughter, son. Come get your daughter. Come on, like, they ain't got nothing to do with me. My job is to be a good steward over the, the marriage and be the best husband I can be, be the best father I can be. And by focusing on those areas, being the best community servant I can be, uh, best son I can be, by focusing on those areas, it unlocked areas in my business. Mm. It unlocked area. It, it, it unlocked a voice and a creativity in my mind when it comes to my speaking engagements mm-hmm. that I didn't. I may not have had before. Yeah, it's like clarity. Like it almost removed the fog. Um, it gave me so much creativity. Like um, you know, studying under under Eric Thomas. Like he actually taught us 
his process of creating uh, a keynote. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. You have got to have some creative ability. You've got to understand the structure and how to do this, that, and the other and do it properly. And it, it takes time. And I've been able to, you know, in, incorporate some of that. I haven't mastered it because, you know what I mean? If you master it, then you on that level with Jeremy and Inky and, and ET and them. I'm not there yet. But what I do know is I've been able to learn and I've been able to implement certain things and I've actually seen the results from it. So it's changed a lot financially. You know, there's been growth. Um, I don't have time for things like I used to. So this is like, okay, the pro bono stuff that I was doing to help you out, I can't do anymore because you're taking time away from my wife and my son and I, I'm, that I just can't do that no more. Yeah, good for you. I love that you made the connection between family, faith, and how it actually, that is the strategy, right? From, from, a, from a believer standpoint, um, from a faith-based standpoint, that, that is the ultimate strategy for business, right? Faith, how are you fine. steward? <laughs> how are you steward the marriage? How you steward the responsibility of a, as a father um, will greatly impact. And that's why I'm saying you're just beginning. Mm. This is just the beginning. I just gave you this precious gift. There's more. Right. Okay. Listen, I'm not even, we're not even going to go to church today. Um, where do you think people, especially young people, if I, if I was able for, to show this, have this show, um, a group of students listen to this show, where do you think young, maybe middle school to high schoolers get stuck in their thought process um, when it comes to hope? Like, where do they... Where do they get stuck? Is it discipline? Is it motivation? Where do they, where do they, I know they get stuck in many places, but where do you, where would you have them? They're, they're stuck in the moment. Mm. They're stuck in the moment. Like, you know, like a bad moment doesn't mean a bad life. Mm. Right. I had to get that into my mind that like, okay, I'm dealing with a bad situation. It doesn't mean that things are going to be like this forever. And uh, for me, you know, it's some of the, some of the other students out there, they had it. They have it way better than what I had it because I dealt with that situation for ten years, mm. right? And then after that, when I got out of it, it was like a sense of somewhat like freedom. Like, oh wow, okay, I, I can, I have control now. Everything that they told me that I couldn't do, I can prove that I can do now. I can take whatever classes I want in college however hard they are or whatever the difficulty that there is to it. Like I can, I can do it my way. Okay. I'm good. So with the students who are in the situation right now, they're like, okay, well, this is so hard. That's so hard. This is going wrong. I'm struggling with this. Or, yeah. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. So they harp on it instead of realizing that, okay, you have two options. Eventually this time is going to pass and you're no longer going to be dealing with the situation because you're not going to be in middle school and high school forever. I promise you that time is short. It's Listen, it 30 is coming fast with popping knees. So, all right, <laughs> popping and cracking knees is coming. It's, it's fast. You don't think it's coming, but it's there. But one day you're going to wake up, he's going to be cracking. You're like, why? I don't understand. What have I done to deserve this? But it's coming. And, it's coming. and you start really, and you'll start thinking like, man, I actually did have it much easier when I was in school. Right. There was somebody to guide me, somebody who cared about me. When you really start thinking about your support system and the people are around you, you start then you start really thinking, oh, wow, you know what? That attitude of gratitude kicks in. You're like, yo, I do have people who care. I do have people who really are supporting me. I got a house that I live in, clothes on my back. I mean, like the people in my family are dealing with a crazy situation like some others that I've heard of. 
like when you compare some of these situations, you like, you know what? Let me just be thankful for what I got right here and right now. Mm, and just start focusing. That. Yeah. And just get done what I can get done and control what I can control. I just had a presentation that I had to do yesterday with some students who are um, you know, dealing with some behavior issues. And the, the title of the whole uh, uh, workshop was control what you can control. Mm. And, and what happens with some of these kids is that because something is going wrong, something that they don't like, they put themselves in a situation where they want control so bad. They want control over a situation so bad. They, they ultimately lose control of their life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, 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 you focus so hard on trying to gain control or take back control from somebody mm-hmm. else, whether it's your parents, your teachers, or whatever the case may be, that you lose control. Mm-hmm. And now you've, you've sent your life into a spiral. So now there's drug use or alcohol, and now there's you know, jail time and fines and crashed cars and things like that because you lost control. Yeah, You didn't even oh, realize yeah. it. I got to stop you. There's too much. There's too much. Cause I have no takers that, that be like, Bernice, slow, slow it down. <laughs> a couple of things. One, um, I want to come back to what you said, um, that they're stuck in a bad moment, mm-hmm. which does not equal a bad life. Right. Okay. No takers that even, even can even mean a bad season, but it will, it does not have to equate to a bad life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just hold this whole thing about sometimes in our quest for control, we actually lose control. That's so good. I mean, if you can teach, okay, let me go back. If I learned that in, in my youth, I could have stewarded some younger days better. I'll just say yeah. that. Right. Right. That's a big piece. Um, sometimes we want that control over that situation. Um, and do you give them some space and grace because, you know, they're, uh, they haven't fully, their brain hasn't fully developed. Right. Right. Um, and that doesn't happen to about 25, 26. So do you, do you remind them and give them space? Like you're still growing and learning um, and that there's still hope. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, I want to, I want to know for you moving forward. I know um, you've been traveling all over. What has been, one of the best experiences um, with school, with, with the school and students or s- staff development that you've experienced in the recent times. I know it's hard to name just one, but. Nope. I got it. I got it for okay. you. There's a, there a recent one. I am in. Uh, um, thank, thank you to uh, the partnership I have with the Special Olympics. Because I thought, oh, wow, man, this is a great opportunity for me to work with the Special Olympics. I didn't know the the doors that it would open i didn't know the people that it would connect me with and when i tell you that i had this presentation that i did for some high school students and i've never seen this before i don't know that i'll ever see it again it's just one of those moments that when it hit it was like that okay this was this is pure clarification if i ever had any thought in my mind that maybe i should stop or could stop doing this work that's all gone now. I, mm-hmm. I can't stop now. I was doing my presentation and probably, I want to say, I, I didn't even get anywhere near like halfway through my presentation. And it was this young man sitting in the, um, the, the stage who was bawling, crying from like almost the beginning to the end of the presentation. I've never seen somebody do this before in my life. Not the crying part. I've seen people do that. This move, I've never seen anybody do before in my life. He was wearing a hoodie, like a zip up hoodie. He unzipped the hoodie and took it off. 
and he was wearing um, like a tank top underneath it. He took off the tank top and put his hoodie back on, zipped it back up and used his tank top to cry in for the mm. entire presentation. He wow. would not, he could not lift up his head and I could hear him crying the entire time, bawling, like hyperventilating. Mm. It was like something was like wrong with him. Like he had like a, a, a issue or anything like that, a mental issue. No, perfectly fine. But he was dealing with so much trauma, so much stress, so many issues that he didn't feel like he was seen. And st- through my words, just letting him know, bro, I see you. I'm here for you. I, you're not the only one. I've been there. Like that hurt that you feel, it will subside. It will pass. Like it, you, you're not going to live in this space forever. And he just let it all out. And then wow. it caused a trickle effect. Now everybody else is bawling, crying. And then after the presentation, there's a line of people coming up to me. The young man, I could tell he was so like distraught by the situation and everything like that, that like he just kept walking like in circles around me. Like when the other people were talking, cause he didn't like, he couldn't even make eye contact. He didn't want to make eye contact, but like I stopped, caught him, made eye contact with him and went to him. Mm-hmm. I hugged him. We didn't even speak. There were no words mm-hmm. shared besides what is your name? He told me what his name was. I hugged him. I gave him my card, told him you can contact me anytime you want. And it felt like the hug, the embrace that we had lasted forever. He just rested his body on my shoulder and just cried it all out of his system. Yeah. And I was like, at least for today, you had a situation, you had a moment where you could be vulnerable and transparent and get it all out of your system. And you don't have to be judged or feel like it's not masculine to cry or whatever the case may be, whatever the like stigmas is that they have out there, whatever. I don't, man, listen, I said, you, whatever you need, get it out your system. And that, in that moment, imposter syndrome died. Mm. If there was ever a thought that mm, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I shouldn't be, dude, I don't have to be the best. Mm. I just got to be good Ooh. enough for him. Wow. Wow. I love that. I, I remember, and I, I will never forget this, especially in the beginning of my speaker journey. I remember my pastor talking about, we all have our own sphere of influence. Mm. And so really steward that thing, that sphere of influence and just your story I'm glad your imposter syndrome di- like died. Didn't go to sleep. Right. <laughs> right. Because sometimes we get imposter syndrome and then it takes a nap and then it comes back at the next event. But for you, it was so much confirmation. Maybe not even for the tears, right? But, but just for his presence, for the hug. You have no idea. The seed that you planted in that moment Wow. I got a little chills even as as you were talking about it, because I don't believe that. um, And it starts very young as young boys. As a society, we dehumanize men and young boys very early by not allowing them to express emotions at an early age. Yeah. We take away a little piece of their humanity by not allowing them space to express their emotions. Right. And then we wonder why our prisons are mostly men. And it's not even just our society. I mean, this internationally. So thank you for making space for that young man and all the people you continue to make space for. (laughs) Heavyweight. 
<laughs> He's in here all humble, y'all, and just. Ah, but I hope you heard the story, right, of the impact um, that Brad is having internationally with students. Um, I love you. Also, do staff development for the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What is your um, hope message, or one of the messages that you have for them? Yeah, the overarching theme for the students and for the teachers, or anywhere I go, is hope. Hope is my superpower. That's the overarching theme. I can say I can speak on that theme anywhere. Mm-hmm. Corporate doesn't matter. It all it fits right yeah. because it's a human trait. It's a human feeling. We all want hope. We all experience hope. So I can take that anywhere. But when I'm speaking to the educators, what I'm trying to do in those moments is I'm trying to help them to connect with the hearts and minds of the students. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there to, for, for the pedagogy and all that. That. No, I, I, my, my degree isn't in education, it's in counseling. So with counseling, I'm trying to help you to get to the deep rooted issue so that they can actually find the answers themselves and they don't feel like they need you to keep uncovering and, and unearthing the, the, the answers to their, their, their issues and their problems. You're helping them with guided discussion. You're helping them with empathy. You're helping them by increasing your, your, your EQ and your AQ. Right. Mm-hmm. Your, your EQ meaning your emotional intelligence, your AQ meaning your adversity intelligence. Right. Because those are two separate things and you need to know the difference between the two in order for you to be able to help these babies, especially if you are dealing with uh, black, excuse me, black and black and brown students who are in some of these urban communities because they're dealing with some stuff that you've never seen before. If you haven't been from that community. And here's the thing. I don't do the beat up sessions. I'm not coming in there saying because you don't look like our babies and because you don't look like them, you don't understand and you can't work with wrong because we need those educators. Like we lose one, we're at a detriment. So what I'm saying is we have to educate them on how to work with our babies. We have to educate them on how to help them because they actually do want to help. They actually do want to be there. That's the misconception. You think because, all right, here's the thing. They're living in triple black. Triple black is when you don't know that you don't know that you don't know. Mm. Our job is to help them to know yes, so that they can understand and do it in a way that's not demeaning and mm. demonizing and making them feel like, oh, because of X, Y, and Z and these things that happened in the past that they, you, you don't care. They do yeah. care. Otherwise, they wouldn't have took the job. Like being a teacher isn't a glorifying position where they get a whole bunch of awards and people know them and they get accolades. I use this example all the time. There hasn't been a teacher that's walked down the street where somebody walked up to him and was like, oh my goodness, can I take a picture with you? Can I get your autograph? (laughs) It doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So that's my way of going about it when I'm dealing with the educators. I have a very, very loving touch on the educators because it's absolutely necessary and they need it and the beat up sessions has got to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I think um, they do feel beat up. Well, first, underappreciated um, mm-hmm. when we talk about their their value versus their occupational worth, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't pay them their, their worth. So right. we can start there. Not only do they not get accolades, but we don't pay them worth. So I love that um, you said even working with them, it's not a beat up session. For everyone, it's this concept of hope. Um, I always talk about it. Um, Dr. Anita Phillips talked saying that hope is believing that a thing can actually happen for you, mm-hmm. right? It's not, some people think hope is just about it happening for it. Can it happen for you? Can I be that educator? Right. Can I become that student who's success, who's successful like Brad Butler, the second. Okay. 
Um, I appreciate you for making time. I know you're busy, busy, busy. He's probably between between flights. Y'all don't even know how to do do cartwheels and a handstand. Um, and the, the good thing is that I established early on a relationship with him and his wife. Um, Brad and I both are in the Next Level Speakers Academy. And in that community, um, working with Jeremy Anderson, Inky Johnson, and Eric Thomas. Um, Brad, how can people reach you? Oh, it's very easy to find me. So it's uh, Brad Butler the second. Uh, very easy to find. If you're trying to get to my website, it's Brad Butler the number two dot com. Very simple, uh, easy to find. I'm trying to tell you if you if you can't find me, it's because you're not trying. You lying or you trying? If you saying, <laughs> oh, I can't find you, I couldn't find you. You're lying or you tr- you're not trying. One or the other. But Brad Butler the second. I, I, listen, I promise you on Google, I probably take it the first, but. Three, four pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brad, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I knew last year at the Next Level Speakers Academy, you was winning all those award, <laughs> awards that you They're were. Right um, yeah, I see them. I see them behind you They're, that you were on your way. Um, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do from here. And I can't wait. I hope we get you here in the state of California to talk to some of our students and educators out here. Um, it's been a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this segment, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and you know what to do. For my victorious vacators, keep moving because movement is your transportation to your destination. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having me, sis.